Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guest today, all the way from Hungary, Roland Pokornik, CEO and founder of Chameleon, right? Roland, welcome. Hey, Matthew. And hey, everyone. Thanks Good for Good afternoon me. to you. Good morning to me. Husband and father of two girls, I think you're LinkedIn bio. Uh, yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, Five-year-old. Five-year-old and a what? Ten. Okay, you're gonna be you're gonna be a busy guy for a few years here. Yeah, thankfully my wife is pretty supportive of yeah. me running a business and you know having family life somehow together. So yeah, <laughs> like many say, you cannot be successful without a supportive wife in this case. Hey, 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 amen to that, bro. Fill people in a bit on on Chameleon. You know how long, what focus, how it's evolved, if that. We started quite a while ago. Our first product was called EDM Designer. It's still available. It's an email builder tool. We focused only on the pain point of creating emails without uh, touching the email code at all. Okay. Well, um, we, we had a white label business. Uh, so we white labeled the editor interface for various ESPs. Mm -hmm. And we also had a standalone product, but the, the most, more significant revenues came from the white label business. Okay. And after a while, we decided that the, the, the actual customers or prospects we had conversations with were looking for something more complex, uh, like a, an emailed production tool where they can create the emails, they can deal with the design, the content updates, iterate on the messages and do it in a scalable manner and with really strongly built in team collaboration. And that's, that was sometime, I think in 2016, 17 ish, when, when we got this interest and there were already some guys taxi for email, they were around by that yep. time. Yep. I know Elliot personally, and I know that you had a conversation with him. Yeah, with Elliot. But there were some, some solutions already existing, but we, we haven't seen any that would pretty much bundle together the no-code approach with this scalable email creation process. So would, that's I, when we, yeah. would I be fair in summarizing that, that what you just said is you went from, you went from a tool for a single person to really addressing the process for the organization. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like the process, the, the workflow as a whole and the team collaboration that I think by a few years ago, I think it was like two years ago, uh, we got interest from a huge publisher from the U S oh, and they were looking for real time collaboration, uh, meaning that they had a bunch of uh, journalists working on their newsletters early morning and it took them too much time and they were looking for a, a tool where they could collaborate like as if they were using Google Docs. I see. And I see. that's when we invested a bunch of resources, time and effort, all those combined to build a real-time collaboration into Chameleon. And the, we were the first one to have it, but of course it's, it's not the biggest thing that you can do to be the first one because others are also adding this functionality. I guess, you know, we speak to the same kind of customers and that's just how the, the whole industry and the needs of email teams evolve. Yeah. Well, you're, 
you're being a duly modest, I got to say, because real, real time, real time touching of email layout. Like I'm working on it. You're working on it. A la, as you said, Google Docs, that is not a technically trivial thing to pull off. No, it wasn't. I, I'm not the <laughs> technical person. Yeah, it, I think it took something like nine months for a team of three to five people. Yeah. Not necessarily, they were working on sometimes on other things, but I think apart from the real-time collaboration, the, the undo-redo was a challenge. That was Oh, the wow. You do that. Wow. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Yeah. And yeah, I think they would be able, able to talk about it for an hour or two <laughs> or two or three. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was technically a challenge and we know that it's, it's extremely useful for some customers sure. while many others still have a more linear process. So we need to combine somehow the, the more linear process with this real time capability and we we try to stay more of a service providers, like a software as a service provider rather than agency, but we do help customers to get started. Okay. And what they are looking for nowadays is, is still efficiency. So that's the key term. Everybody's looking for efficiency. So maybe it's not as exciting, but uh, they are looking for efficiency and they want to be able to speed up the email production of weeks in some cases to a matter of days or hours. And that's what we have a solution for. And just for example, we get compared with taxi for emails, Tenswall or dispatch neck. So there are some providers in the space. And of course, each of us have benefits. We, we've been focused on two key areas. One is the design flexibility. So we try to create a software that enables you to do as much as possible from a design perspective. And mm -hmm. the second thing is the HTML quality, which is, which is something that, you know, you hear that, okay, the emails are responsive and that's what everybody has been telling to their customers. I think from sometime 2013, when we started out. Yeah. Many providers thought that, okay, these are, these emails are responsive, but if you ran Litmus or email on acid tests, it quickly turned out that, okay, <laughs> they are mostly responsive, but yeah, but uh, far from ideal. So mm, that's where we innovate and uh, that's where we invest a lot of resources, but the clients, this is a minor detail for them. Mm -hmm. at least for those who, who are looking for the efficiency part. So there are various solutions to the same pain point, just from a different aspect, but you know, that's why it's, it's great to have the chance to market your solution and talk to customers online pretty yeah. much anytime. Tell him anytime. Well, you're, you're again, you're being, uh, you're, you're being a duly modest. You, you have pretty much a global customer base as I understand it. Yeah, pretty much from day one. So we yeah. never focused on selling locally. Yeah. Hungary is not a big market anyway, and, uh, there aren't too many providers. We do have a handful of Hungarian customers, but cool. not because we went other after them. It's yeah. more of us. Some, some people were just surprised when 
you know, we replied in Hungarian to a support message. <laughs> oh, are you from Hungary? And they said, oh, yes, we are. It's a, it's a matter of fact, yes. And your English is fantastic and my Hungarian is non-existent, unfortunately, at least so far, darn it. It's, it's not on Duolingo, I guess. But <laughs> it's I not, need to... well, different. It's one of the few languages like the, 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 the dot back to Indo-European, like Hungarian is, is a very unusual branch of human language. Yeah, they say it's among the, the hardest languages. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that as well. I've heard that as well. But yeah, it's, it's not, that. it's not too tempting for people to learn <laughs> unless, unless you, you have a Hungarian wife or you, you just like, you know, Budapest, there are many people traveling to Budapest, not in COVID times, but. Well, you uh, opened the door. Okay. I didn't start this, <laughs> but I got a chance to visit. Budapest four years ago, and it is easily the most beautiful city I've ever seen. I would go back to Budapest before I would go to Paris, before I would go to New York, before I'd go to London. It's my God, what a beautiful place. Really. Special. Yeah. I, I moved out from Budapest, but of course I, I visit the city quite often. Yeah. 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 And there are more and more people mostly freelancers, you know, like the digital nomads who oh, interesting. chose to stay in Budapest. Yeah. And there are many co-working places. If you go out, I think you will quickly hear people speaking English. It's now pretty, pretty usual yeah. for, yeah. for us. The startup scene is evolving, um, not as fast as we would want it, but there there are great opportunities in this regard, and we have strong technical talent in yeah. Hungary, less, less strong from a sales and marketing perspective. So I think a good combination is, you know, if somebody is experienced in sales or marketing and is willing to start a company, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should try, travel to Budapest, stay for a few months, network. Meet, right. me, meet new people, maybe they would be able to find a technical co-founder. There are many people looking for technical co-founders. Yeah. Yeah. Not it, easy. It, yeah. Not, 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 not easy anywhere, but, but the, the, you know, the model you mentioned, um, let, 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 let's, let's, let's say it's fair to say sales and marketing is a very, is a, is a more cultural and language based thing than, than say, for example, architecture infrastructure and code, one of the, one of the email platforms that we partner with backend dev team is in Romania, their front end dev team is in India in their office and, and, and sales and biz dev are us and they get to coordinate around the clock, but it works, you know, works better for them somehow. Like, <laughs> and, and that's a, that's an economy that's quite new and unusual and different in, in, on any any span of years, like, wow, what a, what a world all of a sudden, huh? Yeah. Of course, like COVID changed our lives too, as a company, yeah. um, sure. we turned into a full remote company, mm -hmm. but most of the employees were still from Hungary or around neighboring countries. We, we are now hiring, we're now going to hire three or four people, some of them from Brazil, some other from, I think, somewhere from Africa, Pakistan. So it, it will be quite, 
yeah. tigers. Yeah. We, we have two people, one from Croatia and another one from, um, Tunis, but she's, she's staying in Hari. So, you know, it's, it's just so nice that, you know, you can be at a company now from the comfort of your home and yeah. serve customers all over the globe. Yeah. And eliminating that, eliminating that, you know, 10 mile barricade of, you know, the office is there. So you have to live here has, has opened those thousand mile and 10,000 mile barricades of, you know, having a, having a uh, developer, having a colleague, having a co-founder in another country. I had, I had Barris Ergen as, as a, as a guest a while back, founder of an email platform. And he's a man of many parts. T Turkey, first time I talked to him, he was in Ukraine. <laughs> when we had the interview, he's moved to Portugal. But I, I checked in on him and because he said he had developers in Ukraine and he was telling me that they were trying to get some of their technical um, em employees out of Ukraine via Romania and get them to where he is in Portugal. So, so as we extend work, we also extend relationships and, you know, our need to connect and care for one another. And I, I think of course the, the same happened to companies and to email teams. And that's why the collaboration aspect is right. extremely important for some of them. Of course, if their team is locally concentrated, then not as much important, but, uh, since most of the teams became distributed, I think that's one of the reasons why this need became even more visible and people were reaching out to us and to the fellow providers with similar needs. And so COVID good for business, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> for some businesses. Yeah. Uh, but for years. yes, for, yeah. for software as a service businesses, I think, yes, for most of us, it, it worked out and we, I think pretty much everybody reinvested the revenues into building something even better. Yeah. So there was the innovation is still ongoing, although email is, is the oldest online marketing channel, I would say, but uh, the innovation is ongoing. And yeah. now from an email industry perspective, I see that there is uh, some consolidate going on. So there are right. acquisitions. I expect to see more acquisitions coming and that's pretty natural. What I usually question myself is what will happen in like, you know, 10 or 20 years. So that's the, those are the exciting questions. And, uh, it, I think I first started to have these questions when I went back to my high school to speak to young people about my career path and, you know, the entrepreneurship, because I think I went to the same class with 30 people, 50, 50 divided between girls and boys. And it's only two of us. So we were classmates in, yeah. in high school uh, who actually founded a company. So I was asked to talk about entrepreneurship and I was like, okay, guys, who uses email? And I was like, one or two guys uh, really? showing their hands from 30 people Yeah, high school. They were like 12, 12 years old-ish, uh, a crew of 
12 years old and it was, I think like three or four years ago that I made this question and I was like, okay, what do you use then? And you know, they used Eastern messaging. So not email. Yep. So that's why it, I don't know the, the answer to this question, but this is something that I think about on a regular basis that, okay, where would I expect to see email in a longer time frame? Yeah. I'm not sure what's your take on it. <laughs> I'm, uh, I get the opportunity to speak at a conference in June and I made the mistake of sticking my hand way up and taking a big swing at a, at a, at a not quite future of email topic, but, but definitely what are the factors that are, that are shaping it now? So I've been thinking about that as well. I, I will, I will give you the brief version of my take because the speech is not finished by any measure yet. I am and messaging platforms, plural, are, 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 are definitely going to jostle in and, and take some attention space and some market space that perhaps email had to itself for a long time as they remain proprietary, plural many of them and not interop. I don't think, I don't think they'll really displace what, what we've been doing with email because there's not one platform. Now there's a, there's legislation in the EU, the, the DMA digital markets act, I think it's called. And that says if it, you know, if it passes and, and is enforced two different things that says if, if, if chameleon decided to create a messaging platform, I am style platform. You could go to Apple and say, you have to interoperate with our, you know, chameleon IM platform. And in theory, Apple would have to accommodate that. Will they do it? <laughs> we'll see. Will we get peace on earth, interoperability and all messaging platforms talking to each other? So there's really only one messaging platform. Yeah. We'll see. You think keeping an email list coherent and clean is a pain in the butt? Whether you're trying to do it with, you know, 50 different address and message formats. So, and this is accidental, right? This is accidental. The, the, the fact that the, the spec and standards of email were fixed, frozen a good quarter of a century ago, right? As the, as the net, you know, exploded as the digital infrastructure for the planet and, and, and we got adoption of email and those, like those standards are. They haven't evolved a whole lot, right? Fair, fair statement. Email standards haven't evolved a whole lot. I am as a, I am was a later and a, and a follow on and late enough where it became a commercially competitive landscape rather than, oh, look, there's the standard. Let's compete on top of the standard, if you yep. will. So from that perspective, I, I just don't expect messaging. To, to get its crap together and be singular rather than plural. Yeah, actually a friend of mine, he has a company called Freecart and uh, they focused on messaging for Shopify owners. And, you know, I think he would be the one advocating for messaging. <laughs> and I say that, okay, maybe it's true for a certain generation, but I don't think that it would be convenient for them to enjoy the same kind of promotion in, in form of messaging compared to email. So yeah. either messaging will turn into something like email or the opposite way around. Right, right, uh, right, because right. 
in case of email, you can rather decide when you want to open it. Do you want to open it or not? And uh, I, I know that there's a thing called SMS marketing in the US. It's, yes. yeah. it's hardly existent here yeah. <laughs> in Hungary. Yeah. So I would, I would really hate receiving SMS <laughs> messages. I'm with you, but why, why would you hate receiving messages, marketing messages? I guess because of the push. Not because you'd look right yeah, yeah. because, because it would get your attention. Yes. Because if I texted you, you'd probably read it within five minutes. Yeah. And most likely. Most, most likely my, my phone literally just now went ping and I happened to have set the ping. It's, it's my best friend. So he's got his own unique ping and I had to, I had to go like this and hold my hands up. So I'm not looking to see what the message is. Well, I'm in the middle of a conversation with Roland from, from Hungary. Um, backtrack to your, to your thing about the high school and, and to be fair, this is, this is what, what I would call a sample set of two statistically. I have two sons and you know, they grew up with more than a fair amount of digital stuff in the house, but I watched their adoption of email as, mm. as, you know, as, as they grew into adults. And if I'd asked them at 12, at 14 email, they'd have been like, eh, right. Um, but at least the U S you know, U S teenagers becoming adults when they went through the college application process, mm. all of a sudden they had to pay attention to email. Why? Because that was how that whole coordination yep. and marketing was done. Colleges send a lot of glossy brochures and a lot of glossy emails. That was the on-ramp for them. Yep. And now I know both of them have at least three different addresses and they do stay on, you know, on top of their inbox and stuff. It's so like the workplace, because it's still the neutral carrier email, yep. the, the workplace and business will, will continue to use email. And so I, I, I your 12 year olds may go, ah, I don't need it. But if they, if, if they have a job in 10 years and go, oh, I don't want to, you know, email a client, I'll do it on WhatsApp. It'll be like, I'm sorry, who asked you, right? Get in your <laughs> inbox and pay attention and deal with it. Right. Cause it is a common carrier and an international common carrier, which is a big deal. Right. Messaging platforms are, 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 messaging platforms are quite fractured in terms of their dominance in particular nations or regions, whereas email absent China specifically. Yeah. China. We, we experienced that because yeah, uh, my co-founder, the CTO guy had a chance to travel to China with a program for startups and oh wow, he, he started pitching about our email creation platform and they were like email. Yeah. Uh, email, we use WeChat. <laughs> yes, yes. They use WeChat because for like, everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we have customers from that region, but only from Hong Kong. So. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. And they, it's a fashion brand. They are one, one of the first bigger customers for the company. And <laughs> it's, it's quite funny because we, we use the name EDM designer and EDM stands for electronic direct mail in Hungary. And that's how this name came up, which okay. it doesn't make any sense for people in the U S but it's still funny that we got some Australian and Asian customers because they use the same EDM expression for email or marketing emails. 
Oh, okay. Well, well. And uh, the, they do send emails yeah. still, yeah. but uh, mostly to, not to China, but to Korea, Japan, and some other. Their own international market. Yeah. And they do have uh, a website. They ask for email addresses. So I guess there are some people still in China who use email, but it's maybe it's something that they view in WeChat. <laughs> Not yeah. 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 I had read if, if, if you have a Chinese colleague, business contact, whatever, if you ask them for their email address, it, they'll literally have to pull out their device and look and search. They won't necessarily know it. And I would bet business cards, business cards are always a great diagnostic, right? What, what's on, what's on top, right? It used to be business card with physical address and phone number. And then it was physical address, phone number. And then we started attaching the email address and now you get salad, right? Like email address, LinkedIn address, this address, Twitter address, like ding, 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 ding. But I don't expect to see, and, and here's, here's a good, we'll, we'll make this the litmus test. You and I just came up with this. I would be surprised to see a messaging address on a business card because which one, right? Which one am I supposed to use? Is this a WeChat address? Is this a WhatsApp address? Is this a Facebook, you know, instant messenger? Uh, you'd have to give me context. You couldn't just give me address. You'd have to say, Facebook, I am, here's my address. You know, WeChat, here's my address. WhatsApp, here's my address, all that crap. And I know Facebook wishes they could consolidate that, but I don't think they will. And I sure hope they don't. Yeah. There are some solutions where you can look up your nick if it's available yeah. on yeah. Yeah. certain social sites. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to, it would be hard to stay concise with uh, various messaging platforms. Yeah. I, I think email will stay strong. Yeah. It's just. It was interesting to hear your point on the, the adoption. So maybe it just happens later. So maybe, that's what. Maybe, maybe, but we're, we're at a, we're at a stage where that voluntary cooperative adherence to standards that, that helped the digital ecosystem grow so rapidly in the last 20 years is, is falling off somewhat. And I'll, and I'll pick on an email specific example to give us a different topic to go into. Um, when Apple announced their mail privacy protection last June, they said, well, customers are worried about spy pixels, whether or not that's true. I don't know, but that's what they said. And what they meant was because email can be told, go fetch this image, a lot of a lot of data got returned with that image fetch and email marketers in particular, CRM companies and so on, utilized that, that, that one little bit of feedback, that one little bit of this thing got open feedback. But when Apple said, we're going to mask that, we're going to proxy that image fetch. Among other things, they stopped adhering to the HTTP specifications fully. The cache header specifications and related specs that say, for example, don't cache this image, Apple ignores. So voluntarily, and it helps to be a trillion dollar company or whatever they are now, voluntarily said, oh, we don't quite have to play by the HTTP rules. Why? Oh, for these other reasons. We went through a stage where voluntarily, or because you knew it would grow your playing by the 
playing by the RFC rulebook, internet rulebook for, for standards, helped you go places and grow. And now you see companies starting to fudge it and starting to selectively ignore if they think it's better for their business or Apple's, Apple's rationale, their customers. So you and I could publish an IM spec tomorrow. No one would write to it, even if it was brilliant, right? Why? Because they think they're going to win with the proprietary, you know, I'll get my market, you get your market thing. Yeah, I think I, I wasn't the one to monitoring this part of the world too much. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more on stuck in the design and the process and the yeah. side of, of yeah. email marketing. I, I spoke about dark mode, a live event. There was one live event eventually in December in Valencia, organized by Andrew Bonner. By Andrew Bonner. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. And, on a while back. <laughs> <laughs> he's organizing now another event in, in Valencia. In Valencia. Yeah. Yeah. It, or somewhere around, at least yeah. it's in, it's in the summer. It's in Spain. Nice. In Spain. And it's for a few days. I think he's, he's trying to make people email people just visit his, this nice country and just have fun. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's the best thing about uh, live events. Have and you I heard been that back the, to a live event yourself? Yeah. Post COVID? This, yeah. This, this one in December. Okay. And that's where I spoke about dark mode. Okay. So I, I, I dug deeper into dark mode and it's a nightmare. So you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned why is events. it, why is it a nightmare? I have to say that from a, from, you know, as a private person, I can say that the, the outlook produces the best dark mode experience. It's really surprising, but it does better in terms of readability and in terms of, you know, making the email look enjoyable on dark mode. I think mm -hmm. outlook does the best job, but for the other, so Apple mail, Gmail, so each of them do it differently and it's hard. It's again, the lack of standards for editing in email. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, it's, it's a painful to code email still yeah. and that's why solutions like ours can leave <laughs> oh yeah it's it's your bread and butter the 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 lack of standards so <laughs> that's interesting yeah that's interesting good point and 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 not only lack of standards but on the on the actual looking at the email end i, I think i read that there are something like fifteen thousand legitimate combinations of email client plus operating system plus version plus probably localization like it's ridiculous oh. how hard a job you're doing yeah maybe it's even it's even more oh, i think what what was funny funny i prepared for for a few weeks for this specific presentation and i did my last round of tests and i decided to test create a test email where i only had famous brands colors matched with a high enough contrast uh, text. And that's what I sent out. So colorful stripes with text. And then it turned out that, oh, Apple Mail does change the color. But in my previous version, I add also an image into this stripe. Mm -hmm. And since it had an image, the color didn't change. And I thought that, okay, nothing changes in Apple Mail. But when I did my last round of tests, it turned out that, okay, it didn't change it because there was an image. And then I was like, 
oh, come on, I need to add another 10 slides <laughs> because I just realized it, but it was better to realize it <laughs> before the presentation yeah. because I would, otherwise I would have told people that it's nothing you need to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Turns, you turns need to out. worry about. <laughs> it turns out it is. You yourself have a design background? No, I'm not a designer. Originally, I'm an online marketer and economist. That was my uh, original. But I, I came very interested in design a few years ago from a UX, UI perspective, mm -hmm. and also from a conversion perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think they started dealing with design from the day we we came up with the idea for this product yeah, and that's what the tool does, right? Yeah. And but I, I don't actually design things myself. So okay. I, I wouldn't say that I would be able to design you a nice looking email because that's just not me. I'm yeah. more of a, I would say I'm a half geek person. <laughs> I never became a developer, but I understand them. I yeah. know what they say. Yeah. Yeah. I understand designers, so I, I'm somewhere in between. Somewhere I'm, between. Nine. I'm interested more in the figuring out why do people do what they do when they see something. So it's it's not about how nice something it is, but how how effective or how yeah how highly converting. Yeah. I'm I'm a marketer, so I look at conversions. <laughs> no, no, that's well, and mark you know marketers like. Applied design, applied communication, you know, applied fill in the blanks. It's like, yeah, we're at the coal face. I, I, I think the phrase is, um, interesting. I, I find myself going back in my head to your, your observation that out of your 30 classmates, only, only two of you ended up as entrepreneurs. My observation is as a fellow entrepreneur, it, it's irksome. That entrepreneur has become kind of the fad of the day rock star term. You know, everyone, all of a sudden, everyone's an entrepreneur. And I'm like, it's harder than it looks, kids. It's not all glamour. It's a hell of a slog. It's a lot of work. It's not predictable. Like, what, what, what did you tell those high school kids about being an entrepreneur? I told them. I think a lot about the upside downs and that's something that you have to prepare for. I mean, mentally and, you know, if you start a company where you need to invest, uh, your money, uh, not only time or, you know, we were, I wouldn't say lucky enough. We were, we, we worked a lot to get investment in the very beginning, but we we managed to buy out the, the investor. It was, it was a painful thing to get the investment, especially because I broke my big toe just that morning with a kettlebell that fell off a shell, shelf. And that's how I pitched for, I don't know, like 50 minutes to, to get the investment. And it was, it was the start of, you know, enjoying the pain as an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> it, was, it was physical pain. So it's, it's not what you normally would expect, yeah. but, uh, I think that was a message to myself saying that, okay, <laughs> you got money, but Hey man, this will be tough. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> it'll hurt. If you want to be an entrepreneur, step one, get some kettlebells. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, I wouldn't advise, but that's, that's how it just happened. So oh, that's, that's fun. Uh, there are many upside downs. I think even for those who, who, who managed to raise a bunch of money and that's how they build their, their company. Mm -hmm. uh, we have our own little startup mafia, mm -hmm. <laughs> not in the same way. So we are not trying to murder other entrepreneurs, <laughs> but we, you know, we, we sit down together and exchange uh, ideas and discuss challenges, you know, do introductions like you would do if you, if you were in a portfolio company for a bigger VC with a great yeah. track record, it's something similar. And that's where we, we can exchange ideas about pretty much anything. And, you know, there are many who, who are just going down, who are giving up after a few years. So the, the, the people who are in this group change a lot. And mm. we see that I think what's, what would be important for those who are looking to start their business is just the, the networking part and build relationships. Don't, don't jump right into it. Or if you feel that, you know, you are prepared, just do it. It doesn't matter. The sooner, the better. That's what I say, because I was 27, I think ish no, or 20 something, 26 man, we, uh, we started the company and I already had my first kid first and it's a different lifestyle. So the, this other guy who I mentioned to you, a founder of this messaging company, uh, they funded the company back in the university at 20, yeah, uh, the age of 20 or something like that. And they, they, they were so smart. They managed to grow fast. Uh, they got investment from visible invest investors, also from the US. So I, I try to encourage young people where, when I see the passion yeah. and when I see also the, that kind of, you know, endurance, or they can just go wherever they want to, and they will do it, that kind of attitude. And that's when I say that, okay, go for it. No matter if you will fail, it yeah. doesn't matter, you know. There's a place to live. You can stay with your family. Your costs are pretty low. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't you just do it? Yeah. So yeah. no, I, that that that's that's really good advice. And I mean, if if it's not it's not a screw up to found a company and have it not turn into a huge business. Like in fact, you have ninety percent ninety percent probability that's what's going to happen. Think of it as an education. Think of it as, you know, I mean, you're going to learn stuff you won't learn any other way, particularly about yourself, I think. And in your 20s, if you do that, do you have a lot of years left to, to take those lessons and do additional things with them? Um, yeah. Yeah. And when I sometimes go out to, you know, startup events, I, I like to speak with those who are in the, who are young and they are very early on their journey mm -hmm. because they are the ones who, who can make a big difference in a few years. And I'm, I'm just always trying to encourage them to do it guys. Yeah. Uh, if you need help, just let me know. I can intro you to a few people, whatnot. So the, I think the paid forward mentality is, is, is the reason why I like 
building a software startup. No, you know, we are not a startup in, we're not just starting now. So we've yeah. been around for a few years, but yeah. we are still not a large business. We are small and I don't think that this business would have hundred employees anytime soon. So yeah. maybe that's not something that we would aim for, but we are, we just wanted to focus on a few things where we can stay strong and have a certain percentage of the market and pretty much that's it. And, but you know, you, you can dream big, but yeah. I, yeah. I'm very much in favor of B2B businesses because that's where you can charge money and that's where somebody will pay for what you provide them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand B2C. B2C is a, that is a tough, no, thank you. Tough turf, man. No, I, I, oh, I, I agree with you there. I, there are some for yeah. whom it paid, yeah. pays out yeah. one way or another, but uh, it's so much harder and it's a scale game. Yeah. Although I'll, I'll give you one, I'll give you one B2C niche that, that I think is a little bit different. And, and that's, that's really blossomed in this COVID and post COVID period. And that's specifically knowledge, learning, education, S selling a, a course or a, you know, package of knowledge on fill in the blanks, whatever it is. Yeah. It, I find I, I, I've been around it, right? Just edges and it, it, it feels a bit B2B, even though it's B2C because it's still, you know, it's like, can be completely digital. It's. It's, it's about, you know, stuff between your ears. It's not physical, tangible drop shipping kind of stuff like that products to consumers. I'm with you, but, but the, the, the knowledge creation, knowledge economy is, is an interesting and growth niche for, for consumers. I think it's exploded in the last year or so. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the paid newsletters. Or, hey, newsletters. Yeah. Good example. Yeah. Good example. That's, uh, that's something I, I encourage people to do instead of starting a business when they oh, are really? early on, because yeah, because I think you get to know a community that you would be able to market to mm. if you have any solution. So I think it's a good entry point and yeah. it's low effort, but you would have faced very similar challenges as if you were starting any sort of business yes and yes. and That's if you advice. if you have a paid newsletter you will need to provide value so yeah. you will research one topic very deeply you yeah. will get to know those people their needs and so i think that's a good starting point that's a great that is terrific that's just terrific advice there's a there's a I think he's australian there's a writer blogger i don't know what you want to call a man who makes a lot of words named tim Denning, who I, I read fairly frequently on, on medium. And he said, he said something very similar to what you just said. He's like, make yourself write and publish or send every week for a year straight. By the end of that year, your life will be different. And I was like, Hmm, that's pretty good advice. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I, I was surprised to see that the paid newsletters are a thing now, but yes, for some, what's some reason about that Substack and like emails got this whole odd new life going on yeah. in the publishing world. It's, I, 
publishing is really strong. So we, we, we speak a lot with publishers and many of them don't have a paid newsletter, but they, their newsletter grew so much strong, stronger. So I think it will keep growing for, I don't know how, how many years, not too long. Yeah. So it's, I would think it's, it's a hype and you think so? I, I, I'm not sure if it's, if, if it's really a, if there's really a change in the way you would expect to consume news or learn about new things. Yeah. If that would be really your inbox. Yeah. Maybe if there are some tools that can help you consolidate or, you know, be selective with what you consume, then maybe yes. Think maybe why it became so much powerful is that people stayed home because of COVID and they, they didn't have too many face-to-face -to -face conversations and some to topics that they exchanged with their fellow colleagues. Those yeah. were the topics that they got news about in, from the newsletters. So somehow I think maybe somehow it's related with the change of, you know, all these lockdowns and everything. So, so this rapid change in our personal and professional lives, Yeah, maybe that somehow influenced it, but I'm just guessing. So I'm not, mm, I wonder, I, I, I wonder that I, it, it, that one's going to be talk about our 10 years, you know, sort of 10 years, what's going to happen window. Eve, let's take it as a given. We'll still be emailing people in 10 years. Yeah. That's fair. Right. Yes. W what will be, what will be the modalities of use of email? I, I wonder if straight up marketing emails have, have, have a long-term, have the same long-term viability because the inbox is so darn noisy because natural constraints of email, like they're not that rich and they'll never be legit media bundles, email messages. And I'm, and I'm kind of dotting to something that surprised me about three weeks ago, one of the bigger enterprise email platforms in the U.S., Zeta Global, actually, partner for Campaign Genius, bought a newsletter company, Archimax. <laughs> and I was like, that's unusual, right? You think ESP, you know, sends and volumes and the production flow and all that other stuff. It's like newsletter company. But I got to tell you, if, if, there's, if there's a company that wants to s stay on brand relationship with me, a regular high quality content that interests me newsletter is, has a very different bid for my attention than sell, sell, pitch, pitch, sell, sell, pitch, pitch, right? Cause I just get, I may tolerate it, but it's tiresome. It's repetitive and yes. something new, something useful, something insightful on a fairly regular basis, hmm. the content that's valuable for its own reasons. Hmm, that's interesting. It's kind of a yeah, content marketing play in email, if you will. Do you pay for newsletters? I Are do. You? Boy, did you just tee that one up and let me swing at it? Yeah, there's a <laughs> newsletter, and I mention it frequently. There's a newsletter called Stratechery, written by one guy, Ben Thompson, that I pay for. And it's it's pretty much the top pick for me to read every morning in my inbox because he's wicked, wicked smart and incredibly prolific. Um, and I'm, and I'm I like, of course I pay for Stratechery. I'm like, my God, that's such, such valuable, like 
insight <laughs> from me, and he doesn't really commercialize it. Stratechery's product is Stratechery, right? Yeah. He's not doing Stratechery to sell, you know, servers or cloud computing or something like that. He could, but I don't think he would. Do you? Yeah. Ever newsletters? No, I'm not. No. Yeah. I I think it's it's only because I I consume a I focus my learning patterns or, you know, I focus my interest on a certain topics and mm -hmm. there aren't too many newsletters that would be relevant to me or at okay. least I'm sometimes a bit reluctant to lead long form emails. So I'm, I'm, I'm the person who's trying to scan information, get as much as possible fast. And yeah, sometimes I feel that it's, it's not the, the, not the newsletter or, you know, I just visit regular sites that I, I yeah. come back to and yeah. I know where to look for what I'm looking for. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Roland, I could tie you up for an hour and, and we could do most of that. Just, just talking about your journey as an entrepreneur. I do want to wrap up to free you up for your next meeting, but, uh, quick question. You said you're doing, you're prepping for a half Ironman. Yes, I do. What, what, uh -huh. what, what happens in a half Ironman? It's 1.9 kilometers swimming as a warm up, then 90 kilometers. I don't know in miles, so it's okay. I think 60 miles or something yeah. in cycling and then a half marathon. So it, wow. Wow. That's, it's that's September, I think you said, right? September and the goal is somewhere around six hours. Good and, for you. Yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to drop me a note and tell me how it went. Yeah, I, I'm confident that, that I will be able to do it. And it's, it's, it already worked off from a health side. Yeah. Because I lost like 15 kilos. That's, wow. I don't know in pounds, but a lot, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> That's and, a lot. No, you look and, great. You look great. And, and, I, I mean, and I'd be stay healthy. Away, stay away from the kettlebells, by the way, when you're getting close. No, <laughs> you can enjoy yourself while you're cycling too. So it's not yeah. a problem. And there you go. It's, you but I think that's, that's like a last note advice to anybody building a business is to take a close eye on your health. That, that will be really important to be in a good shape when you struggle with any business related challenges, but it's and easy to give up on working out when you have advice. other problems. Great advice. Well, we'll wrap my guest. Thank you for making the time to connect has been Roland Pekornik, founder, CEO of Chameleon. Roland, it's really been a pleasure. Thanks for having me met you and your pronunciation was awesome. I mean, Woo! getting my name. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>